0: So today we're going to be talking about five competitive products and features that Tesla has that I think are going to be true competitive differentiators. First, we're going to talk about automatic collision avoidance. This is the ability for the car to have a a force field of sorts, and the Tesla car will never be able to hit anything ever again, whether moving or not. We're going to, of course, cover FSD and its road to Robotaxi. TeslaBot, Cybertruck, and if we have time, we'll also cover Semi. So today I asked John Gibbs to join us. John, he's also known as Dr. Know-It-All on YouTube. He has a very successful YouTube channel, started in 2019, Um, and so I'm quite excited to get his perspective on all these topics. You know how sometimes you meet somebody who's uh, incredibly interesting, he's intelligent, and he's fun? John studied physics, specialized in astronomy. He's a professor in multimedia with expertise in 3D animation. But then he didn't stop there. He went on and got a (laughs) master's in AI. I think he did that specifically because he wanted to do YouTube uh, Tesla videos. (laughs) Welcome, John. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate being here. It's going to be a blast. Can't wait. And we're definitely going to get brighter today. So, John, you're exactly the kind of person that I wanted to bring on. I want to get your expertise and perspective on these various products because you've done deep dives on each of these. Let's start off with automatic collision avoidance. I know you just did a video on it. I've been focusing a lot on this as well. Like In my perspective, this is a feature that I I think it was just literally a month ago or less that um, Ashok, who's a director of Autopilot, did a video on YouTube and he talked about this feature that's coming to Tesla. And I have not heard very many people except me and Omar talking about this. And of course, you did <laughs> a video on it yeah. as well. In a, in a sense that I think that it is in very critical. I think it's actually the one thing that if, we, if Tesla launches this, it's going to be massive because they don't need to wait for regulatory approval. But you know, the concept that the car will never hit anything ever again is, is amazing. So please uh, just kick us off. Tell me everything you know about this and what your thoughts are.
1: Sure. Well, I, I think I found out about it along with everybody else in the outside world when Ashok presented his paper. And and you know, ever since Andre Karpathy had left, there was kind of a gap in like the the presentations that were available. So, I was feeling bad about that and or sad about that, I guess. And then it was amazing to have Ashok's presentation pop up. I think it was back in June when he presented it, but they kind of embargoed it for 2 months before it went public. So, it was somewhere towards the end of August and I saw it and I was like, "Whoa." So uh, all of this is based, the collision avoidance is based on the occupancy network um, work that they have been working on clearly very, very hard for the past year. And uh, I, I just actually did another video on the occupancy network from AI Day, the presentation and the differences that mm-hmm. are, are are already coming about just in the space of a couple of months. But one of the outgrowths of the occupancy network is that they are working on this collision avoidance system. So occupancy network, people are like, oh, FSD beta, got to pay all this extra money. It's a it's a party trick. You can drive and it'll navigate. I don't think it's a party trick, but I'm just saying some people might say. But anyway, the collision avoidance thing, like you said, is so critical. It is not going to be something that that is only available to the people who pay extra that's just going to come standard it's just mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. part of your tesla even if you just get the base model and you don't pay any extra money for any of the software or anything that's gonna, that's going to be basic safety systems and and yeah it's amazing and and essentially it's just like the car is always looking out they they showed a simulation in a shock's paper not at ai day but in the paper itself <clears throat> where they they turned the car loose in simulation, right? Not in real life because they didn't want to do this, but they just basically started it driving with no driver in the driver's seat. And, and the car, you know, was kind of weaving around the road a little bit like a drunk person, but it was avoiding hitting anything. So even without wow. anybody at the wheel, the car was not hitting things and it was driving for a long distance. You know, I, I don't know exactly how many hundred meters, but it was, it was a long time. Uh, but, but that was very, very impressive.
0: Yeah. So my understanding is that it's just using the eight cameras around the car. Mm-hmm. And what I understand, I know I don't know if this is true or not, but that it can be applied to all Teslas, even the ones that are previously built. We'll find e- out. But e- yes. just the eight cameras alone, <clears throat> it's able to determine if what, a space around it, 360 degree view every 10 milliseconds, uh, that's 100 times per second of whether the space around it is occupied or not, whether static or not. So it can't hit a basketball pole, it can't hit a person, it can't hit any cars. And I love the one where they showed the video of the car driving down the street and it will show all the driveways and it'll show whether or not it's occupied or not.
1: Right. And I think right.
0: the breakthrough that they had, or this is not a breakthrough, but just the, the kind of like thinking that made them move forward with this was that initially they were trying to label everything. They were trying to understand, is that a right. basketball pole? What is that? Now they don't care. They just want to know is there something there that's going to be an object again, whether it's moving or not, we better not hit or not. So right. tell me about like, what, what is it about this occupancy network that, uh, that impressed you the most? How, how, you know, how accurate do you think this is going to be? Just anything about this, that, you know, when you did your deep dive, what's your, you know, what's yeah. what blew your mind the most?
1: Well, well, I mean, last year I have to say, let's to back up to this semantic segmentation, yeah. which is the whole idea of understanding the world. That blew my mind, and that was something that Andre Karpathy presented, and then they re-presented it at AI Day number one in 2021. And I was like, "Holy crap, that's amazing!" But the problem with the... semantic, okay, so semantic segmentation just means basically breaking up the world. So let's see if I can do this: mm. surfboard, you know, photograph, model of uh, of the starship, you know, human being shirt with dojo. (laughs) So, right. So Mm -hmm. you're breaking up the world into things you understand, but what if there's something that comes about? I'm trying to look for something that I don't know. (laughs) It's like, I don't know what this is, but there's something here, right? It happens to be just a piece of a uh, paper towel. So, (laughs) but you know, so it's like, I
0: thought you, I thought you were going to show your YouTube uh, award that you got or something like that. (laughs) No,
1: I wish. Right. So, but, but basically the problem with semantic segmentation is you need to know what everything is. And they're still doing that. So it's very important to understand they haven't abandoned that at all. What they've done is they've split Uh, So there's, there's all the vision stuff that happens. And then at a certain point they split the vision into semantic segmentation and they're like, okay, what is everything? And then parallel that's running this, uh, this occupancy network. And so the occupancy network is like, it's concerned with what things are. It tries to understand them because you can see Mm -hmm. like there's white for like background elements and red for parked cars and blue for things that are moving and green for curbs. And I think brown for like stuff in driveways. So there's base and then purple for road. I think it's like a dark purple or something. So it basically understands like what the world is in at least a basic sense, but it's not going to read a stop sign and it's not going to say like, oh, I need to like stop at this stop sign. That's for the semantic segmentation thing. The occupancy network is just going like, here's the basics of the world. Even if I don't know what the hell it is. I need to make sure I avoid that. (laughs) And the reason why, and so last year when Andre was talking, he was talking about bird's eye view network, right? Which was creating like this 2D, you know, like like you're looking down on a map and you're seeing your car driving through it, which is fantastic. But the problem with that is that you can't see the volumetric space around you. So as you're driving, is there, you know, if if this is literally a paper towel that's lying on the road, you'll see an Mm. object there, but it's like how much vertical space does it take up? So if it's just laying on the road, it's like, drive over it. Who cares? no big deal. But if that happened to be a block that was sitting up, you know, half a meter or something or a couple of feet, it's like, you better avoid that. And so it needs to have volumetric understanding, which means it needs to know three-dimensional, not just 2D. So that's a huge, huge breakthrough. And the the real breakthrough is it doesn't have to know anymore what it is. It tries. Mm. It's like, okay, is this thing a car? Or I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> and I think it labels of what, I don't know what it is kind of things as kind of a yellowish or or a, a, a brownish color. Anyway, if I'm remembering correctly, they didn't ever explain that, but I was just kind of looking at the videos and going like, okay, this is this, this is this, but it's just incredible to think about the fact that they're able to compute the semantic scene information at the same time that they're doing the occupancy network, and that the occupancy network can take precedence when things get confusing. If it's like, I don't know what it is, but it's big, I better stop or move around it or something. That is more important than understanding what everything is. Honestly, even we human beings, if you're driving like in the dark or something, a lot of times you'll just you'll see stuff and you're like, I don't know what that is, but I'm moving over to the other lane. Cause I don't, I don't know what <laughs> there's something over there. It might be a person. It might be a garbage bag. I don't care. I'm I'm getting out of the way. So we do that too. Like we, we, uh, you know, just knowing that something is there takes precedence over knowing exactly what it is at all, at all times as we drive.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm blown away how quickly you can do it. Like 10 uh, microseconds, yeah. 360 uh, yeah, uh,
1: milliseconds. I think not microseconds. Mil- but I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's, it's fine. I was like, I was like, don't give people too much optimism. They'll be like, wow,
0: <laughs> milliseconds, uh, yeah. hundreds <laughs> per second. Uh, but the reason I bring up the example <clears throat> of basketball pole is just very recently, about a year ago or last, my daughter uh, brought up the car backwards, and we, she hit the basketball and we were like, we're both still shaking our heads trying to figure out how it possible, because there's no way that after you get the car out, that it's going to hit somehow. Right. <laughs> That's the angle. <laughs> and, um, and so it, you know, it's like, it's it, imagine if you have a car now that all of a sudden, you know, over the air update, and it's not going to be able to hit anything anymore. It won't be able to do that anymore. It'll protect you from that. That is, I think a massive, massive, um, you know, uh, value proposition for our Tesla's cars. And now you said that right. uh, it's going to be just rolled out to all cars. And so this is the question I didn't know was whether or not it's just going to be part of the brand. It's part of the Tesla safety, and so they'll just make it to every car gets it automatically. Right. Or is it part of FSD? And if you buy the one version of EAP or FSD, then you get it. Do, do we okay. know that for sure?
1: So we don't know that for sure. I I should have been very careful to speak that. <laughs> this is my assumption because of what was said in the talks mm. that I, mm. I'm pretty sure, I, I have not seen an announcement from Tesla that says, you know, collision avoidance is going to be included in every car, but that's my understanding from listening to the talks multiple times, is that that's what they're going to do. So oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should definitely not over promise here, but but yeah. that, that's what I think is going to happen. And it makes sense, right? If, if safety is number one priority, why would Tesla not include something that's like the most important factor for safety?
0: So, so I do think you're right. It's going to be just for every car. <clears throat> and that's why I'm thinking it's going to be for all cars in the past. But this is something, okay, and this is what I've been trying to, you know, understand. But this is, does not require regulation. We don't need to wait for robo-taxi. <clears> throat> but throat> when this comes out, and I'm, I'm going to guess, I don't know, somewhere this next year, if not sooner, but when it comes out, Would you ever, anybody in the world, ever buy another car that (laughs) does not have this feature that is able to hit things? You know, you won't be able to do it. And then they showed this thing where it's driving down and it will avoid and uh, do evasive maneuvers if something comes in front because it'll quickly figure out what is the open areas and what should I do and where should I go that's going to be less chance of me hitting something. I just I just think this is gonna be amazing. And imagine when all the, everybody, all of us are driving our cars and some of us might actually do demo videos and go, look, uh, here's a, a basketball pole. I'm gonna to try to hit it. And then you right. can't, you know, it'll just always stop it. I think that that could go viral. And oh, yeah. if people find out, oh, Tesla cars cannot hit anything anymore. So um, I, I think it's going to be massive for the company, the stock, the sales. And right. We don't have to wait for taxi, And that's where I'm going. If they add some of it to FSD, then they'll be able to just actually even charge for that. But right, I think you're right. right. What, so what's your thoughts on the, um, the ultrasonic sensors being removed? That was big of a controversy yeah. this week. <laughs> How does this help with that? Yeah
1: so okay so i think the ultrasonic sensors i believe are actually incredibly tightly related to all of this stuff and i don't think people have put the pieces yeah. together yet so yeah. and and again i did the talk about this so you definitely if you want to like get into the weeds a little bit more on this watch the watch the video that i did just a couple of days ago <clears throat> but it it's mm-hmm. um Essentially what happened was I spoke to one of the engineers after the talk and I started asking very specific questions about occupancy network and the next version. So not 69.2.3, but probably 10.69.3 is Mm -hmm. going to have a scalable uh, resolution like voxel size (laughs) essentially. So what, what currently is the occupancy network is at 30 centimeters per, per like per side for the cube. So ish like this, right? So that's a pretty big thing, right? So it's kind of human head size ish, Mm. you know, again, so, so you can't break the world down any smaller than that. And the problem is that you can only look about a hundred meters of ahead of you. And if you think about you're going, you know, 75 or 80 miles an hour down a highway, you're covering a hundred meters like that, you know, it's like no time at all. Yeah. Uh, And, and so it it has that, I don't know. Do you have full self-driving beta? I do, yeah. Yeah, I thought you did. So, so you know that thing where when you're driving rapidly and you're using full self-driving beta, a lot of times it feels like it's not realizing what's going on until the last second. And then it's like, whoa, whoa I got to hmm. slow down. So I think that what's going to happen instead with this sort of... uh a, Resolution independence level of detail that changes continuously is up close. It's going to have very, very tiny voxels. So it'll like maybe break it down to like one centimeter or something. So it'll have a very, very dense occupancy network right near the car. And as you go away further and further, the voxels are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, you know, this person was telling me that you could see the sky. So you can, the car can't see the sky right now because it's outside of the, the volume that it's calculating. Mm-hmm. So humans can see the sky, but we don't see every single pixel in the sky. We just see a giant blue thing back there so that what's what'll happen is when you get to that distance it'll just be like a big giant one voxel thing that's like sky so that allows much more precision much more uh, distance to be able to be seen as you're driving far away but equally it gives you much more precision up close so so you're able to see things far away because it's just rendering them at very, very low resolution. But then you're able to see things at very high resolution up close and guess what ultrasonic sensors are for. I, I was gonna get, mm-hmm. I was like, you're like, where's he gonna get to his point? The ultrasonic I mean, sensors. I got it. Yeah, how okay. It? So ultrasonic sensors are like, you know, when things are pretty close within a, maybe a meter meter and a half, something like that. Sorry, I didn't deal with metric mostly, but anyway, a couple of feet. So, so it tells you how far away you are by bouncing sound signals off of the objects. It, you know, it reflects back in again, but it only works at close range. But you don't need that anymore if you're able to use optical sense. If you're able to actually optically define what's going on at a very high resolution, then, you know, because 30 centimeters, right? Again, if you're looking at this, that's not accurate enough to park your car. You might miss and like park right over the curb or hit the wall or something. But if you can get down to like one centimeter, then yeah, for sure you can, you can park your car. So, so you can do things that you wouldn't have been able to do previously without ultrasonics. Now you have the ability to do that, so why do you need ultrasonics? And the last piece of this puzzle was that Elon Musk, uh, if we remember a couple of weeks ago, he said that uh, uh, prior to AI day, they were working on Tesla bot to have a demo and they were also working on um, the the mm-hmm. actual smart summon, he said, real smart mm-hmm. summon. And my mm-hmm. in my mind, the real smart summon, and they failed. They didn't quite get there in time. But that is related to this high density occupancy network that's infinitely variable in in, in level of detail. And and that's and the reason why it was important that it happened by September 30th is because they started shipping cars without ultrasonics. <laughs> like uh, wow. basically, people are that's- already receiving them. So, yeah. so, and they missed it's it and delayed. you noticed that, yeah, well, it, the, people are getting the cars without the ultrasonic sensors because they can look mm-hmm. around the yeah. car and it doesn't have those little pucks anymore, but that there's a lot of the features like the auto parks, and things like that, they said are disabled until a software update. And that's the software update that was supposed to happen by September 30th, but didn't outside point of view i don't know speculation but you know just to be clear but i think that's a pretty clear Explain trail. how
0: smart summon why did why is that affected by ultrasonic sensors well because removed? uh well because the ultra if you don't have this high resolution <clears throat> excuse me
1: for a sec um if you don't have the ability to detect things at very very precise resolution close by with yeah. cameras then you need the ultrasonic sensors to tell you how far away you are from things. So imagine you're doing, let's do Smart Park, not Smart Summon, it's probably easier. So you've got your parking space and there's the end of the parking space. And you have to pull in and manage to avoid the cars beside you, not hit the curb thingy that's there. As you're doing the pulling in thing, the ultrasonic sensors are constantly mm. going like you're, you know, 16 inches away from this side and five inches away from mm. this side and whatever. So but but without the without the ultrasonic sensors and without the higher level of detail mm. in the new version of the software. Gotcha. With this scalable, yeah, you just you just don't have the resolution to be able to park. So it's like every single item that they're like is delayed. I was like, Yeah, exactly, because they don't have the occupancy network yeah. refined to that extent. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I trust them. I mean, they they obviously know what they're doing, um, but it's going to be awesome. You know what strategically I think of uh, when I hear this? I think that this is sets them up for licensing. So yes. if you don't need to worry about radar, you don't need to worry about ultrasonic sensors. And basically you can just take the eight <clears throat> cameras and be able to not only do, forget full self-driving, just imagine right. this concept of uh, automatic collision avoidance. So now any car manufacturer can just any any car can pay. I think uh, Omar from Homar's blog said he estimates it between two to five thousand dollars. You get the eight cameras, you can outfit it, you get a super a computer in the middle, and now you license this technology from uh, Tesla, and now your car will never be able to hit anything anymore and be able to do smart right. summon might be able to do <laughs> parking yeah, yeah. it's it, i you know again this does not necessarily require regulatory approval for robotaxi so no no this, this could be quite mind boggling
1: it, it could i think that there i think you're absolutely right that the the Financial potential is massive because a lot of companies are going to start taking a look at Tesla. Number one, they've got the cost down, right? It doesn't cost that much anymore. The cameras are not not very expensive at all. the The hardware to put in it, yeah, that costs some money, but it's not that much. So you're right. You know, Tesla would make a nice profit if they charge four or five thousand dollars for for like here's the hardware. um the The other option is that Tesla could also another model could be that these other car companies so ford or vw or whoever could install this and then tesla could say for or they could sell it vw could say for 200 bucks a month we'll give you the eight-ass stuff and tesla then takes a, a chunk of that so that their licensing instead yeah. could be a monthly subscription thing and that's contingent if that car is around for 10 years that's way more money than four or five thousand dollars. <laughs> Even if they're only making, you know, 25 or 30 bucks a month, that's gonna it's gonna add up very quickly. So um yeah, you know, so that's yeah. that's the kind of thing where you could you could conceive of a different methodology, or maybe they could sell the basic stuff and so they sell that for a price. And if people want the full self-driving experience in a VW ID four or ID5 or whatever it is, then you pay directly to Tesla for that. I don't know. Yeah you know so there's a lot of different business models and all of them look really good for tesla and the big thing is that they've just removed everything there's less stuff you don't have expensive lidar you don't have to have radar you don't have to have ultrasonics anymore
0: it's crazy and and then the other thing because actually i just thought about it just now is that the regulatory NHTSA could actually work in favor (laughs) this time in support because didn't they recently put a, a I again, don't know the details of this, but Ford collision warning is becoming something that they're now you know, enforcing that all car manufacturers must have. Then I heard a rumor or something that Ford doesn't have that capability. And so they might actually, that might be one of the first things that they might license from somebody like a Tesla. I don't know, that doesn't sound right. Interesting. But that's what I heard.
1: Well, uh, it makes sense that, but, it, I mean, yeah. NHTSA cares and every other regulatory body in all the other countries too, in European Union and everything, that's what they care about. They want to save people's lives and health. They don't want people being injured or killed. So if a new technology comes out, I mean, it's like saying airbags. You know, when I was a kid, airbags weren't yeah. a thing. <laughs> In fact, anti-lock brakes weren't yeah. a thing, but those were mandated over time because it was obvious the safety benefits. So if te- now, the one weird yeah. thing about this is that, that Tesla, if they're sort of monopolistically owning the technology, there could be an issue with that, that people could be, Uh, They could say, like, you you know, it's got to be a regulatory standard that anyone can implement. So who knows what will happen with that? But I I think that in terms of safety, yeah, like I I could see once this becomes a regular thing and the collision avoidance is, is just normal, that the car would not be allowed to be sold without collision avoidance anymore because it's like you're otherwise you're just (sighs) potentially killing people right it's like if somebody has a heart attack or falls asleep or you know god forbid they're drunk or something like that or stupid on the road that the car will save them from a a horrible accident potentially killing themselves or somebody else
0: it's uh it's like what volvo did when they patented the seatbelt and then they just gave it away for everybody maybe tesla will just go ahead and do that but Oh my God. Anyways, I am yeah. feeling really good about this, not only for the stock right. and business, but you know, I think that, that we all were thinking that we had to wait for taxi before the world will be better and less deaths, the right. 230,000 people dying every year, the 2 million, right. 3 million people getting injured because of motor vehicle accidents. A lot of that will be removed. So I'm feeling very good yeah. about this. So let's talk about uh, full self-driving and on its way to Robotaxi. <laughs> yeah. you know, we've been talking about this f- for a long time. A lot of people right. know the ins and outs of it. What's your perspective of this? Um, what's your uh, expectation of where this is gonna go? Just curious your your thinking. So are you asking like a timeline? <laughs> I, have a, I have a
1: huge well, optimism have to, bias have when it one. comes to
0: that. <laughs> so oh, really? you do, I like that. Uh, I like yeah, well,
1: no, I mean, I just, I feel like it's, I, I feel like I still, and I know it's October and we're less than three months from the end of the year, but I'm I'm still, pretty confident that we're going to be better that F- fsd is going to be better than the average driver by the end of the year so i've got to be very very careful that doesn't mean it'll be approved to be a robo taxi it doesn't mean that it'll be better than the best drivers but you know if you take the bell curve of drivers there's half the people of the world are on the bottom half of that bell curve, which means that if FSD can get to just the middle of the bell curve, just the average driver, that means it's better than half of the world's drivers already. Or let's just take the United States and Canada, because that's where it's it's being released right now. But, you know, so take like, I don't even know how many drivers there would be a couple hundred million drivers in, in the U S and Canada. And so you could just say like, let's just say there were 200 million drivers, active drivers in the U S and Canada. That means that if it was in the middle of the bell curve, it's better than a hundred million drivers on the road right now. And that's, uh, that's amazing. You know, it doesn't have to get to that crazy little tail where it's like better than 99.9% of the drivers. If it's better than half of them, that's already saving lives and making the world a better place. That that's really cool.
0: So I'm I'm, so again I'm optimistic
1: it could happen this year maybe (laughs) yeah
0: so (laughs) I so it all like you just said it depends on your definition of what this is and people are getting very very confused with all the different ways to think about this but so what he has said is that by the end of this year uh, full self driving beta will be made available uh, for any Tesla that has either bought it or subscribed to it. And they can just turn it on. They don't need to right. do the safety feature, okay? That was right. the goal for the end of this year. Now, the other goal is that it needs to be better than a human. So what is that definition, right. better than a human? And the other consideration here is that we're not, I don't believe, I don't interpret that as saying that it's level five, it's driving on its own, and the human is sitting in the back seat. I right. see this as an ADAS you know, it's like a assistance to the driver. And if you have this system that you can turn on and it, you feel that you're actually going to be safer. And you're still driving, you're still in charge of it, and you're still watching <clears throat> carefully what's going to happen. But you feel like this gives you that extra automatic collision avoidance. It gives you that extra eyes all over the uh, thing. And it doesn't make stupid moves that you know you need to automatically just, oh, shit, why did it do that? But you know, it right. basically does everything correctly. And oh every once in a while, it'll turn off because it doesn't know what's going to happen. Um, if it gets to that <clears throat> point, th- then it's a very valid ADAS system. So, you know, for you, do you drive it now and do you feel that you need to turn it on today that it's going to actually make you feel safer? So today for me, I don't, I don't feel that. I still think that I'm safer driving by myself. Um, But I can see very, very clearly that it's going to happen soon. I I can already see it, that I'm going to want to turn this on. It's like right now when I'm driving on the highway. I do not. I drive. I mean, I live in Seattle, and my family right. lives in Vancouver, where I'm originally from in Canada. So every month, I drive back and forth, two and a half hours there and two and a half back. Right. I can no longer do this without turning on the autopilot right. because I feel right. safer with it on. Yeah, and less stress. So at some point, very soon, we're going to do the same thing with FSD beta. But yeah, right. So yeah, that's a <laughs> that's
1: a lot of stuff. I. OK, so I think what we've got right now, I'm I'm calling it like cyborg driving, but essentially I feel mm-hmm. like the safest driver right now is the human driving FSD beta because you're getting the best of both worlds and and that so so individually yes fsd beta like if i'm like see if i go out and do one of those videos where like my first test drive of the new version of the software and i don't touch anything there are stressful moments where i'm like oh gosh what's it going to do <laughs> and chuck cook was actually with omar Omar's uh catalog he he did a video about him driving to tesla's ai day and he was like omar has like an amazing ability to not intervene under circumstances where most people would go like ah grab the wheel right <laughs> so i think that's one of the reasons why he's like no Interventions for five hours or something because he's like, it's going to figure it out eventually. But anyway, but right now, what happens is that like 95% of the drive plus the car is just fine. And now, at least in the area that I live, and like you're saying, you know, in Seattle for you or something, you know, the areas that it's going to have problems with. Like you can sort of see it coming already because you're, (laughs) we're sort of trained now to be FSD drivers. So I, and, but you know, but there are moments that, uh, I've got a 15 year old. He's got a driver's per- a learner's permit, so he's driving with me, and he started driving the Tesla. We made him start on the gas car because we're like, okay, we don't want to give him too much power too fast. But so now he's driving the the Tesla, and yesterday he was driving home from school. And he like looked around at something to make sure that another lane was clear and car started stopping in front of him. And the car went, you know, it like did that warning thing and he slammed the, Yeah. And I think the car slammed the brakes on or he did it anyway. But the warning thing came up and I was like, that just made him a safer driver than he would have been if he was driving another car that didn't have that warning system on. And and that is yeah. pretty remarkable, which is why I'm calling the cyborg driving right now. So it's like, you've got where the human is better and where the car is better. And when you put the two of those together, you get better than either. So I feel like with full self driving, I'm definitely a better driver than I am totally by myself and gosh, going on long trips, my parents live like 10 hours away. So when for that kind of a trip, I can't even imagine doing it without full self driving anymore. It's, it's like you get tired. You know, I'm a perfectly good driver. I can drive 20 minutes to work, 20 minutes home. Great, I can do that by myself without a problem, although I'm really lazy and I don't want to anymore. But but I can do that and probably I'm a better driver than the full self-driving is if it was just by itself and I was just by myself. But on a 10 hour drive, I guarantee you that it's better after a couple of hours because you just get tired as a human being and you can't focus that long and that intently for that many hours. So that's when it really comes into its own. And I know that's not full self-driving beta yet because that's like enhanced uh, navigate on autopilot for the for the highways, but it's still using the vision stack. It's, you know, it's more or less the same thing at this point.
0: Yeah. So do you uh when you hear, you know, when I when I listen to Tesla and what they say, they really are uh, feeling confident, it feels to me. If I piece everything together, that robotaxi is coming. Uh, you know, they started talking about creating a design for the, you know, the the, the um, dedicated RoboTaxi, which they'll probably release that design next year, right? It's like no steering right. wheel, right? No pedals. And they they feel very comfortable and it's going to be designed in such a way that it's going to be, you know, catering to the occupant. Uh, and they still think, and they keep talking about how this is going to be, it's moving and improving and to, we're, we're going to get there. And so what, to what's yeah. your thought about this and, you know, knowing what you know about exponential curves and, uh, and the exponential right. progress of innovation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh gosh. It's, uh, there,
1: there's, The problem is that exponential curves always have a tail off at the end. Well, I mean, yeah, even population, right? If you consider population growth, it goes up. And then if you look at like the classic fish in a pond, they get to a certain amount and then it levels off because they can't grow anymore Mm -hmm. because there's no more resources. So every exponential curve has kind of an S shape to it. The question is for full self-driving, are we at the beginning of the really steep part or are we Are we at the, are we at the end and it's just about to tail over and we're going to have to wait for another five years for whatever the next generation of thing is to start it off again? I, I, my personal feeling is, and I've looked very, very deeply into transformers and actually I'm using them myself right now for some other things. So I feel like I have a pretty decent understanding of transformers and uh, neural networks, sorry, <laughs> not the autobots or anything, but yeah, but it anyway, <laughs> would be a very different thing. I should actually get a yeah. little autobot and put it back there as a joke. But anyway, I feel like they are very particularly good at getting really good without that tail off happening as you add more data to them, so I think that we're somewhere between the middle the beginning and the middle of that steep part, and we haven't reached the tail off yet so if we are then within a year there's no question in my mind unless things go like that uh, we'll'll we'll absolutely have cars that can drive themselves completely safely and with pretty much comfort. Uh, I don't know about you, but my wife is much less, let's say, uh, amenable to when the car mm-hmm. makes dumb moves and like jerks or something like that. She's like, what is it doing? You know, so, so I'm just yeah. like, oh, it's just doing its thing. It's just a st- silly car. But I think that's another thing that it's working on is to try to get rid of all of that sort of stuff, too, so that the car is more um, smooth and that when you're riding yeah. in it, you don't notice that a human being isn't driving anymore because it's not doing robot stuff anymore. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think so it, it's going to get there.
0: I, so I believe that it's going to happen. I think we're here. Uh, yep. Not here, but, you know, it's it's we don't need to wait for another S-curve. <clears throat> um, right. And the reason I say that is that you were at AI Day, too. You were there. Yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah.
1: I know. It was pretty
0: cool. <laughs> and when that Kate Park uh, demo uh, blew me away, and when she showed that one example, mm. where, one edge case, right, where there's this car kind of like sitting in the corner there and you don't know if that's a parked car <clears> or if it's a person that's waiting to try to cross or not cross. Right. And it's, it was a parked car, but it, just the way it was positioned, and everything, it certainly looked like that it was, you know, cross traffic. And then right. they fed it, this edge case with all these videos. And then now it's got that figured out. Right. Okay. And so it's like, you know, we're, we're there. If it can figure yeah. that out. And it's just a matter of them knocking out the March of nines, all these different edge cases So I don't know if there's going to be a limiting step anymore because occupancy network has shown me that that was the thing for me, right? Occupancy network is knowing the lanes, knowing what's open and not open. And then, and then the rules of the road, I'm not worried about that one, which is, you know, like if sometimes it doesn't know if it's supposed to turn or automatically turns left when it's supposed to turn right. I think that that's that's solvable. It's not going to be, It's not something that's not going to be solved. And then the final right. thing is all these edge cases and do they have enough machine learning and neural networks and and so forth. So, okay, cross fingers, but uh, we'll see what happens. But I think that <laughs> yeah. by next year, by two years, and again, it's like exponential, right? We are, you know, where we right. were two years ago, where we are today, and then, which feels slow, feels like yeah, that was a huge improvement, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that ex- uh, that noticeable. But I think it's right. going to be very quickly, all of a sudden, and it's right. going to happen like that, all of a sudden. I don't, I don't know do if it.
1: you've seen that that picture. There's like a kind of a meme that's out right now where there's like a growth curve of AI intelligence, and it's like it's like worm, mm. lizard, you know, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> fish, like cat, and then it gets up to dumb human. And then it gets to like really smart human. And then it gets to crazy smart, like above human level. But the bottom part is very, very slow. And, you know, and then there's time on this axis. So it's like long time, long time, long time. No results, no results, nothing really important is happening. But when it starts to tip up, it's like, and, and right now, I would say that FSD is kind of dumb human. It's, it's, it's pretty good, but it's not that great. It's still like a, a person with a learner's permit. So, you know, it makes mistakes. But the difference in time between that And smart human or good human in terms of this driver, and then like way beyond what human capabilities are, is so short. Uh, I think it's also... Uh, I was actually talking to one of my Patreon patrons on Discord about this just very recently. He was saying, well, eventually Tesla bot, sorry, not Tesla bot, but full self-driving won't be able to get any better because humans won't be driving anymore. And how will it learn? And I was like, I was like, no, it's actually still going to be able to keep learning. So one thing that's really important, and I, I meant to say this earlier, is the thing you have to think about FSD is it's not a destination. It's a journey. There's literally no way to ever drive perfectly. No one, no one, no computer, no nothing can ever drive perfectly. So it's always getting better and better and better. So the question is, you know, how quickly can you get better than every single human being? Uh, But anyway, so, um, oh gosh, what was Mm -hmm. I saying? I was talking to my Patreon patron about...
0: uh, Exponential
1: yeah. yeah that wasn't it though oh well <laughs> i'll come back to it i'll remember it in a minute i got sidetracked by the other thought but anyway these these things oh he was saying how could it get any better like after humans stopped driving so let's just say it's 2040 all humans are off the road you're not allowed to drive anymore except on am like car farms just like a horse farm now and and He's like, well, then it's never going to get better. And I'm like, no, it definitely will, because still accidents will happen. They will be very rare, but they'll happen. And the car eventually will be making microscopic judgments about itself. It's like, was I, was I little you know, two millimeters over to the right of where I should have been for this trajectory? And it will constantly be feeding itself that data and learning. So I think it will actually get even better. Like there, it will actually accelerate and get better as only as only robots are driving.
0: John, it's already doing that now. So uh, yeah, the very yeah. first time that I turned on FSD Beta a year ago, okay, uh, one of the first times that that car approached a three-way at sto- uh, a T road, so there uh, I had a stop sign, and then the you know the cross road had two stop signs, right? And I was supposed to turn left. I was heading to the post office, right? And I was using FSD Beta, so I wasn't touching it. The car. Uh, hugged the right side because there was hedges to the left, and so that it, could, it would do exactly what I would have done, which is you know, high, high you know, safely go a little bit <laughs> more to the right of the road so that I can see more. <clears throat> and I asked this question to everybody, and the vast majority of people who said that this was the car learning on its own, it's it's teaching itself that that is the better way to do this rather than. The, so it wasn't like looking at the way I drove. Um, and that's not how they teach Go, uh, you know, DeepMind how to beat the best humans right. in Go and chess. They initially tried to feed it examples of how humans would play the game and it didn't right. beat them. And then they eventually right. moved to the model where they just let the computer teach itself what to do. Uh, no human in, no human uh, videos needed to throw in what the human would have done. They just let it play against each other. Uh, right. and then the the computer learned how to do moves that no human would ever do so right. the all the pundits were going why did that computer do that go move at so early in the game which is so stupid it was like n- no human would ever have done that and it turned out that that was a very long game so right it, yeah not worried about <coughs> that
1: no okay. and, and i mean so i think that there, is a, oh, you, there is a stage where you there is a stage sorry there is a stage where you have to give it human, like, you know, the early versions of chess and go and things like that. They did feed it yeah. games, but that you're right. The part where it gets the flywheel, where it can teach itself, that's when things get really good. <laughs> so yes. And speaking of that, let's do Tesla Bot. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you were talking about transformers and we know <clears> that <throat> they called it optimus and then right. they called it uh, what is it? The B or something <laughs> uh, Bum- bumble C, which I nobody said anything about that. So I had to call it out. I'm sure that's
1: bumblebee, you know, which is one of the transformers. Yeah. So optimus the leader of the transformers and yeah so anyway so he's bumble c instead of bumblebee
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it makes sense because they're a car manufacturer trying to now make robots and so (laughs) right (laughs) yeah (laughs) and
1: it was appropriate i mean the way he walked and everything was a little bumbly like but this is where you get to the dumb human thing it's like everybody was like oh haha look at how dumb that thing is and i'm like oh but the time difference between dumb robot and smart robot and like really really and i mean i should say smart but like like dexterous it it looked very bumbly and but the difference between that and like a super super elegant robot that's going to be able to walk and do a whole bunch of things is really small that that time difference is tiny at this point Uh, i'm I'm very convinced that a year from now a year from now it's going to be doing useful work in the factories like and there's going to be lots of them being manufactured
0: (laughs) wow you are optimistic one year from now huh
1: I I just I literally like like seconds before we started recording, I released a video that said TeslaBot has already won. <laughs> it's like it's a done nice. deal. They've already it's a it's robotics humanoid robots are already a solved problem. Nobody realizes that yet. It's it's completely done. And the reason why, and everyone's like, look, it doesn't do anything that Boston Dynamics can and stuff, but those companies all are using hard coding to do all of this stuff. Yes. That thing walked out on stage in a continuously changing lighting environment using its cameras and nothing else. <laughs> it used its cameras and its brains and some stuff that it had trained
0: on how to walk. Well, it's uh, remarkable. Two months ago, we saw, we saw Akimo or... Who was it? Uh, uh, oh, no. Asimov.
1: Their... Was, uh, 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 what was the name of that one? It was uh, wasn't Huawei. I believe that was their yes. robot. But it was. Yeah. yeah and, it... and had the.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm mm-hmm. <laughs> So, I mean, I thought it was, it could be that, but you're, 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 you're assuming that this was uh, showing off the FSD beta in the brains doing this. I,
1: I guarantee you that it was scripted. I mean, it came out and it did what it was told to do, but what I'm talking about is its ability to understand the world around it. So yeah, absolutely. It was scripted and it was told to walk out and do this, like, you know, this kind of thing, uh, That's not the part I'm talking about. I'm talking about the part that it was using its cameras and the full self-driving computer on its chest to comprehend the world around it, to know where it was in space, to walk into that space, arrive at the right place while the lights were all changing, right? They didn't put a big, giant, nice, pretty spotlight on it to give it like really good lighting for the consistency. It was this crazy like background lights and stuff. And then it turned around and it walked into those lights. So that stuff that it was doing was remarkable. Uh, unless i'm completely mistaken and it was completely hard coded and but i i just don't think that they've i don't think the the robot works that way they haven't hard coded it this thing is neural network based from the ground up
0: yeah regardless of for this demo, if it's hardcore or not, what blew me away about the AI day was, you know, of course everybody's excited about how is this robot going to look and how it's going to walk and all that. And how how you going to manufacture it? But the part that obviously we're all very interested in is FSD being transported uh, into the bot body and then what it can see. So they showed a visual of what it sees, much like they right. show visuals of what the car sees. And I was blown away how, how, um, it wasn't like this, uh, you know, it was very high fidelity where it almost looks like a video camera looking at the, the room and uh, and what, what it is. But you know what I mean? Like it actually sees right. it and we know that it knows, like you said, everything it can do with a car. It knows if what the objects are and eventually it'll label them. But right now, at least it knows, you know, you know, if I want to grab the watering can, that one obviously was a video. Right. So who knows if. You know if that was a humanoid a human person to kind of like tell you know controlling it, remote controlling right. it or not, but still. It was able to grab I, it, right? I, uh,
1: I don't, I don't think it was.
0: They were showing. I'm trying to remember if the
1: watering can, if they showed the external view, but at least with the box, they were showing it walking. And I, I mean, that, that would have been, yeah. I mean, and I, that. yeah. So I'm, if there was a person with a joystick back there controlling it, I would, I would be surprised. I think the whole point is that you can say, pick up the box, move it over here, set it down. That that's the whole point of this robot. And and I, I do want to point out, like people, people are poo pooing the the. Um, hardware of the robot too but they the difference between bumble c and their actual prototype i got actually got to get really close to it because we were able to take pictures which was so cool so anyway but it has these actuators that are in there that they are custom designing are beastly things they're huge uh and and then down to like little teeny ones inside the hands so like really fast twitch muscle kind of things they're able to react really rapidly anyway so they're they're just working on every single front and i think the big front that everybody's concerned about is data but i actually have a counter argument against that but in terms of the hardware and the software, they've solved so many fundamental research projects just in the past year that it's just brilliant. I mean, what they've done with the hands, like the, the I can't remember that robot's name, but anyway, the one that, one that came out and, you know, they showed it falling down and getting up and picking up the flower and bringing it to the CEO. It just has this <laughs> super mm. simple gripper yes. hands. And, and Tesla yeah. Bot is nothing like that they they figured out the minimum amount of of controls that they had to have to have a dexterous hand that could make a grasping motion and that's what they've got and it's brilliant you know these kind of things are yeah. just like it's like it's amazing
0: <laughs> so there's i understand that there's two ways that um you know, the, the, the companies who are building robots are teaching the bots what to do. Right. So I was uh, watching this video that Robert Scoble was in with giant AI and what they did there was they had a human put on machine learning, AR glasses. They then, that person then uh, is able to see through the eyes of the robot. Then they have this thing and whatever they do, the robot will do. And so they, they teach it like, okay, here's a water bottle on the table and they teach it. I'm going to grab it and I'm going to move it here then they move the water bottle somewhere else. You know, they they have it fall somewhere and then they grab <clears> it <throat> and then do it. And then now right. it's teaching the robot this environment, how to how to recognize that that's the bottle and how to grab it and what strength and so forth and move it somewhere else. That's how they did it. So after 50, 100 times of teaching it that move, then you learn how to do it. <clears throat> right. And I think they showed that in AI day where they showed that there's this thing yes. that a human can wear yes. and the right. glass. So, yeah. And the second way is simulation, right? Just f- feed simulation and whatever your AI sees, just like it does in the car, um, then it's able to to learn it. And then so between those two features, right? So the question is, how will this bot learn in the future? So is it just that they will feed it all the simulation and that's it, or as I've been hoping and predicting, I I think that maybe uh, Tesla will get into AR glasses and you and I will be able to get an air glasses. And I walk around my home, I open up my fridge, it sees a beer can and a Coke can. And then I grab the Coke can and I go somewhere. Now all those videos are being fed into, you know, master database. And then it sees us humans doing that. I don't know. I'm just guessing how would, how would this happen? (laughs) So, all right. <laughs> so I think, I think it's worth backing up
1: just a moment. And this is something, like I said, I just did mm-hmm. this video. So it's like right on the top of my head. But the data thing is what everybody says. No, 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 there's not enough data. So you can't do this. But I'm going to make a, what I think is a pretty tight analogy between GPT-3 and Dolly 2, which are two pieces of software okay. that OpenAI released, right? So GPT-3 is generative mm-hmm. pre-trained Transformer 3. It's got 174 billion parameters. It cost $5 million to train in other words that amount of compute time it was a massive amount of compute time to train this thing dolly so okay so that that was trained on trillions of words literally trillions of words of stuff from the internet they just sucked it all in and they did what's called unconstrained training it just said here here's the stuff you figure it out and the way it works is really brilliant how this works they do a sentence so like the cat sat on the hat or something like that and they remove the word cat and then they say, "Computer, what is the word that's missing here?" And it has to figure it out. And it, it that doesn't work very well for a hundred examples or a million examples. But when you have trillions of examples of this, it actually learns to understand what language is, and so it actually understands that. Okay, so that's. That's number one, and that I'm likening to full self-driving. You've got billions of miles that human beings have driven on the roads. Unconstrained is whatever the hell we do. That's all data that's being fed in. So that's the equivalent of GPT-3. Dolly-2 is a subset of that that's already trained that they retrained on again, a lot of data, but a whole lot less than the original GPT-3. And it produces the cool work where you can say, like, show me a picture of a cat sitting on a hat, and it will draw you a picture of that and fanciful, whatever you want. It can be really, really cool. So I'm likening that to Tesla Bot. And what I'm thinking is the consequence of that is because you're fine-tuning something that already exists. You have all of these beautiful neural networks that you've created the architecture for. You've trained the weights. You've got everything tuned really, really nicely. Now you're transferring it over. You don't need nearly as much data as people think in order for this thing to sense and understand the world. It's like it's, like it's automatically you know, if you're training something from being an infant and just coming into the world to being like maybe three or four years old or five years old or something, Tesla bot like is automatically jumping to being five. And so it just has to go from that to being able to be a useful thing, right? That's the kind of advantage you get and it doesn't need all of that beginning data because all of these weights are already so close to right anyway. Uh, so, I, th- I think that's where we're going to get this massive advantage uh, for Tesla bot. And it's not going to need as much data as people think. But I think everything you're saying is right. I, I mean, obviously, people doing actions and simulating that, they showed that at AI Day. Obviously, they showed simulation. I think that's actually a brilliant idea. I mean Tesla marketing, if they could do it like Facebook has some glasses now that have little cameras in them and you can record stuff. and if Tesla created something like that that was a, a fun consumer, oh hell. I mean they they made like the cyber whistle, which is like right back there. I mean and that does nothing. Yeah, and we all bought it. So I mean they would they could <laughs> do it and just say like hey, you're gonna help train the Tesla bot it's 300 bucks and everyone will be like, okay but but you yeah. know, if they could make it somewhat useful so that people would want to wear it around and it would just be a fun thing to do, Uh, sort of gamify it or something, then you're absolutely right because then they can monetize it. So that's been the big advantage that Tesla's had is that they've monetized full self-driving all these people driving their cars and driving the full self driving have paid for it <laughs> every other company pays these engineers six figures plus to drive around and do this that's a, that's a completely opposite economic uh you know mm. incentivizing thing and that's why tesla is really unstoppable in this whole area but i think you know that's actually brilliant <laughs>
0: yeah. if they did something like these vr glasses or ar glasses or something yeah <laughs> yeah I love what you just said there. So that that blew my mind. I mean, it made me remember <clears> of how humans, uh, you know, grow up and learn, right? So when you are an infant, <clears> uh, there's this thing called objects permanence, where right. if you hide the object <laughs> behind a set of books or something, that the, <clears> the the infant thinks that it's gone and magic, it's gone and disappeared. They don't understand and think that oh, realize that it's still sitting. It's just I can't see it, but it's behind this books. Right. But right. then by six months of age, they figure that out already and you can't trick them anymore. So this is the kind, like, if you just, it's a generic thing, right? It applies to everything. It's not, yeah. it doesn't apply to a bottle, to a book. It's just the fact that it's object and it's still there. And so that's the generic thing that's you know, these uh, the bot, or, like you said, already has mm-hmm. because of what we've already done with the FSD. And then the other things about labeling, and again, the whole brain is already, the neural nets are already there. Right. It's just a matter of, you know, figuring things out at, at some point so yeah
1: and and you know if you have edge cases that are
0: difficult you've got
1: this simulation engine that they've already built for full self-driving so you could run a million simulations in an hour yeah. of this thing having problems and like a specific so you know anything it does have problems with they can train it really fast to fix those problems uh, i i you know i think i think about like like kids i'm just, did you say you had a kid so you know but this kind of thing when they do yeah. this all the freaking time when they're babies and they drop it off their high chair and they expect you to pick it up so they can drop it again. And it's so frustrating <laughs> as an adult. So this why I remember it. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's so frustrating. But, it, but it's them learning the world. They're basically like, Oh, this is how physics works. Mm. If I, if I let go of something, it doesn't mm. go up. Like if you see, if you get a kid <laughs> the right age and you give them something like a helium balloon and they let it go and it goes up, their minds go, You can just see them absolutely going, what is going on? That's not what's supposed to happen. So uh, you know, so that it's that kind of thing. And what we've got is full self-driving is is our is the baby through toddler stage or something. It's already given Optimus that a huge advantage. It's already much older than it should be. So that's huge.
0: It's massive. So you are one of the few humans that was there on the date yeah. that the bot walked out. And what I've been saying and repeating many <clears throat> times in the last month is that, you know, this is a moment in history and it's yeah. it's a big moment. Now, I said, it doesn't matter if it was just like half the body and it doesn't do anything it's still going to be the moment mm-hmm. when we're all going to come back 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. Right. You know, the history books will go back 100s from now and go, that was the date. Look at, you know, the, the way that the bot looked at that point and didn't know what to do. But this is the bot that's going to succeed. You were there. You had the chance to experience it. What was your reaction when you were like, we're up close mm. to it and it walked out and oh. just feeling like, my God, the electricity of all this <laughs> smart people here and they're working on this problem?
1: Right, it's oh man. It it's a little difficult to even <laughs> the thing is that like that I was on the left side in the second row and so Elon Musk walked out and was standing like right in front of me. And so that was a little distracting because wow. I was like, oh crap, Elon Musk is there. And then of course the thing opens up and the Tesla bot walks out. I had heard I can say this now. It was sort of embargoed before this, but I know somebody I, I don't know this for a fact, but I think this was like early August, so like 2 months ago ish before the uh before the demo. He said that Tesla bot was a pile of of stuff and wires on the ground. <laughs> he just said it was just pieces everywhere and they were putting them together and testing out. So the rate at which they were able to progress this thing from a completely unusable state to something where it was performing actual functions is really remarkable. Uh, and and again, I the funny thing to me was, I guess my reaction was, holy crap, this is the future. It, 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 All the stuff that we dreamed about as kids, all the science fiction novels, watching iRobot or reading iRobot, whatever, you know, all of that kind of stuff is like, oh, it's coming true. And then the next day, it was so disappointing to see just a stream of headlines saying like, this is ridiculous. This is the worst robot ever. What are they thinking? This is not good. And like, you guys just don't understand at all what just happened. And, and, you know, maybe it'll be likened to the, um, like the, the, the GM EV1 or something back in the nineties, the first electric car, which was fantastic by the way. And then GM scrapped it, but it it, will look back on this, you know, 20 plus years from now and say like, This is that (laughs) like Bumble C was like the EV one and hopefully Tesla won't scrap it and crush them. But, you know, but you'll see the direct lineage of all of these things coming out of that original product. That's how important it'll be.
0: Yeah. I'm shocked that you said that you thought that it was going to be like one year from now. You see this functioning in Mm -hmm. the factory and you think maybe a thousand bots already created or something like that. Right yeah I, I i'm hesitant
1: to say how many because they have to create a production yeah. line to make these bots and i think they're still working on it scott walter who i've had a lot of interviews with and he's a, yeah. a factory robotics expert he's like he's like elon musk always says prototypes are easy production is hard he's like for optimus it's going to be exactly the opposite and i completely agree with him the prototypes are hard because they're doing something to, you know people have built cars so you know what a you know what a car looks like but building a humanoid robot down in the detail level no all mm-hmm. of that stuff and that's why i was saying like they've solved things like the hand and it can make grips and stuff it can walk using neural networks not using hard coded stuff it's got custom made actuators that are starting to be built for these things this is all really difficult and fundamental research, and could be prone to just failing. When you're at that level, it it just might not work. But that's why I'm like Tesla's already won. The Tesla bot has already won the race because this stuff works, even though it's completely imperfect at this point and has a long ways to go. The fact that they've covered the fundamental research areas, all of all of them, means that this thing has nowhere to go but up at this point. And that's why I think a year a year is a long time. I think we could be looking at these things in in the fact factory in six months. Now, again, I I don't know how many, because it's how, without a production line, everyone's going to be custom built. So there's only so many they can make that way, but there will be ones in the factory uh, like I will almost guarantee it in, in a year from now. Oh
0: yeah. I mean, so, so obviously they're building it for manufacturing, right. uh, capabilities because, um, they, you know, everything <clears> they <throat> talked about was they need everything to be a uh, slim form factor. It had to be scalable and it had to be something that you can manufacture at scale, uh, scalable and something you can manufacture. And so when they talked about the, actual reasonable reasonable price. A- for a, For a reasonable price, price. Yeah. so yeah, th- so the reason why they're doing that now when they're creating a the prototype is because they're already creating that factory line of how they're going to create all right. this because what matters is volume. If you have right. a thousand robots and what it's it's like the brain is what matters more. And so just make the body right. as cheap as possible, but it's the brain. If the brain can, it's like us, we're, we're, we're pathetic human mm-hmm. beings. We really can't carry yeah, much right. at all. No. And, you know, everything here is easy to break, but it's, the brains allows us to figure things out and how not to hurt ourselves. Right. We don't use brute strength because we can figure things out. But, um, so the, I, I, you know, I know you say this too, and we all get this. It's that, that Tesla's the only company in the friggin' world that can actually do this. Right. Because right. you need a lot of things in your, you know, skills and expertise and assets. Otherwise you won't be able to do <clears> this. So right. if you're Google, you might have the supercomputer, you might have the brains, you might be able to teach it how to do DALI and GPT and be able to you know do simulation and learn things. But you have zero factories, manufacturing. So right. you would how would you create the bots yourself and make millions of them? You would need to try to outsource it, but there's those companies don't. No one has created, like you said, there's lots of car right. companies that made cars <clears> before, but there's no robotic companies made millions of robots before, right? Right. Uh, so you need all of this together. You need a supercomputer. Your neural nets. You need to have the manufacturing capability. Uh, to to make this happen, and so I don't know any other company that can do this. Can can no. can Honda do it now that they bought uh, Boston Dynamics? Can they do it?
1: Um, I think they're missing know. the brains, aspect. but they don't
0: have the supercomputer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so the the other thing you're missing is just the 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 willingness, the vision, and the willingness, the guts to do mm-hmm. this. Like it, that's one of the mm. things that Elon Musk is just famous for. Is it's like this is crazy. Why would anybody think that this is a good idea? And he's like, Yeah, we can do this. <laughs> you know, and he's and not only I think we can do this. I'm going to throw a crap ton of money at it. You know, it's and we're going to just keep heading at it. We'll just bang our heads against the wall until we get it. I, I can't imagine how many sleepless nights those robots on stage represented. You know, that's, that was a lot yeah. of time and stress and effort. And of course, not to take away anything from all of the people who laid the fundamental research to make all this happen, right? This didn't just appear out of a vacuum. They were working with, uh, was it Dennis Hong uh, at you yeah. know Romella and at UCLA and tons of other people, right? So they're standing on the shoulders of giants. So it's absolutely not going like, look, Tesla did this in a vacuum without anybody else being around. No, obviously not. But to put it all together, I think it's worth looking at just the actuators, for example, and and people don't pay enough attention to this. So for one thing, uh, and you were talking about the brains compensating for things, and Scott's talked about this, and it's not something I think about a lot, except recently I have because he talked about it. We have compliance in our hands, and what that means is like when we grip something, Mm -hmm. we, we don't grow to the exact same spot every single time when we grip it uh, and mm-hmm. if you think about like a factory robot like one of those ones that's like sh- sh- like mm-hmm. that you know those things it's have precision. to go down to them yeah it's down to the millimeter where the object is going to be and down to the millimeter where it's going because it's stupid it's really strong and it's really fast and it'll do things repetitively over and over again but we humans because we're made the way we are with are squishy our hands are not going to end up in the exact same place every time so our brains compensate We're we're sensing it, we're looking at it, we're feeling it, and we compensate for the fact that every single time is a little bit different. That's what you're getting with this robot. You don't have to build an expensive robot because the brain can compensate. The, the reason why those KUKA robots and, and the FANUC robots and stuff are super expensive in the factory is because they have to be super precision made so that they have really tight tolerances so they don't vary. They have to be really, really and, – and even so, Scott says that every one of them has to be calibrated. Every time you move it, mm-hmm. you have to recalibrate it. So here you've got a brain that's constantly recalibrating. So anyway, the actuators. They're custom designing actuators, but they don't have an actuator for the knee and an actuator for the hip and an actuator for the torso and the actuator for the shoulder. They have, I think two actuators do all of those different motions. So they're also reduce, you know, reduce the parts, reduce, because that way, instead of making six of these different actuators per robot, you only have to make two versions of it, which means your assembly line is making a third as many actuators for those particular parts of the body. And that means that you can produce three times more. And that means you get economies of scale and that, you know, so they are, they're absolutely going like, how can we make this inexpensively? And that's critical. It's absolutely critical
0: to making this robot. The hands. Let's (laughs) talk about the the hands. Ooh. That's one Did of the you places know where they com- were going to come up with five fingers. Uh, a lot of people said that they that was pretty obvious. But obviously, if you look at Boston Dynamics, they <laughs> right. have like this. Then you right. see the other guys that have this. It's like this. Why right. is it that they haven't done this? Because it's hard. It's not easy. It's very hard. You're talking about five <clears throat> digits that are moving independently from each other, right? And being able to teach it what to do, but it's so obvious. We know the opposable thumb is so critical. Right. Uh, but I was blown away and I know that that's just a marketing video, but the one that they know did that, that just the movement of right. the movement of the heart thing, that's gorgeous, beautiful. It was, you know, wonderful. Right. But yeah, what's your um, opinions or <laughs> any thoughts on that? Well, I
1: mean, I'll start with the compliance thing. So obviously if you've got these hands, they're being controlled by cables and stuff like that. They're not direct actuators in each finger. Uh, and, and, you know, this sort of motion is not exact every time. So that's why you need the brains. It's got to be able to understand where these hands are through different methodologies. How does it sense? That, how does it sense? It doesn't uh, have skin. You know, they didn't tell us. cameras. Yeah, well, they have cameras in the eyes, so you can certainly look at it and decide no, if you but, close it, but you don't know how much force you put on it. You don't want to squeeze yeah. like a plastic bottle too tightly. So more than likely it's either got some sort of resistive, measurement inside or uh, Scott says you can actually measure the current across these things um, and it will tell you how much effort you're putting into it. So there are ways of sensing it through the sensors. I don't know that there's actually any sensors in the fingers at this point. Maybe there are. They're hidden underneath kind of like rubber pads, so it's a little hard to tell. but there could be basic ones, right? That just you push on it and it just has like that thing as, as it squishes down, it just resists more. And so it knows that it's pushing harder. So that would be a pretty basic thing you could put in. Uh, but I think I... I I, I thought I was always convinced there were at least three fingers on the hand, plus the thumb. I didn't know if the pinky was going to be there. And we've made so much hay out of that in all these videos, but, uh, it was, it was really funny. It wasn't literally until walking into AI day and they had this picture again, but then they had yeah. this picture on another wall. And yes. I was like, Oh, it's got five fingers. <laughs> so it yes. wasn't until that moment that I knew it had five fingers. Uh, you know, but a lot of people didn't think they were real hands. They thought they were CGI renders. I never thought that I was like, Nope, Nope. If, if they were doing CGI. They would have made it look like the original plastic, beautiful Optimus. I was like, "This is real," and I'm very proud that I was actually right about that. But you know, but I, I but look at what they've done. They've created fingers that don't have all of these controls. It's only got uh, a hinge joint here sorry it's hard to point a hinge joint here and a hinge joint here this is all one solid thing with a little bit of curl to it and it pulls a cable like a fishing line it's metal but it goes like this it goes and so it always curls the same way but all you care about is this motion if you can make that okay sign like it did and you can grasp something then you can grasp a, a, a excuse me a, a power tool or your beer or whatever it is you know you can this is tea not beer but anyway uh but you know but you can. If you can get that basic grasping motion, it's never going to crochet. It's not going to be able to pick up a quarter off the street. You know, it won't be able to do or eat with chopsticks or something like that. Right. It's not going to be able to do super dexterous things, but that's not what we need Tesla bot version one to do. It's a, it's a factory robot.
0: Love it. Okay. Lots of things. I want to keep talking about this, but I think we need to move forward to Cybertruck and semi. These are two <clears throat> products that are coming now. This is now. So Semi, yesterday, right. <clears throat> uh, they announced that Semi is now partnered with Pepsi. Today, Pepsi confirmed it. They're going to be delivering the first semis to Pepsi December 1st. It's here. And yep. Cybertruck. So Cybertruck yep. is slated for production in, in June. You right. know That could definitely slip. But I think, uh, first of all, this is a signal that they're they're not at battery constraint anymore. And I think right. both of these needed right. 4680 batteries, correct? But my gosh, two <laughs> massive new industries. And I think because they've been around for so long and we've been waiting for so long, we're kind of like, uh, whatever. Right. But right. <laughs> no, this is a huge deal that yeah. they're coming out now. <laughs> yes. And,
1: you know, and I'm also like, I'm I'm waiting with a little bit of bated breath to get the, uh, I don't know, some sort of new Cybertruck like event. I don't know if it'll be like when they actually start selling them to people. That would be sad if we had to wait for like that long. I really want to know what the new specs are. Yeah. Because, you know, Elon keeps teasing like this is going to be the best thing we've ever built. And I'm like, what beyond the Model S Plaid are we going to get with this beastie, right? You know, it's like what kind of crazy stuff? Uh, I, I think it's almost guaranteed that we're going to get hardware four in the Cybertruck um and maybe the semi is using that too i you know there's there's i i I kind of agree with dave lee that i have a feeling they're sneaking some hardware for into things now i know that optimus is using hardware for without a doubt like again outside speculation but there's no way that they're still using the old hardware that's currently in our cars they're using the new one um and then new cameras uh, I think new cameras are starting to appear. And I think the Teslas that don't have the ultrasonic in them have the new Samsung 5.4 mm. megapixel cameras and possibly hardware four in them. <laughs> so, you know, but but anyway, that that what we're seeing is just, the results of so many years of tesla working hard at this and obviously the pandemic the nice. chip shortage all of that stuff set them back as it did with everybody else but now all of a sudden they're just like we are ready to go guns blazing with uh with and you're right the battery constraint is a huge thing and i, I i'm pretty sure you're right i think that cybertruck and semi are completely dependent on 4680s uh so yeah. that means that they have a huge amount of confidence that they're shipping the semi now means that they have a massive amount of confidence in the ramp of their 4680 batteries. And that's amazing. (laughs) That's really, really cool.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about Cybertruck features. I mean, uh, he talked about and shared that it's going to be able to, you know, function as a boat for short periods of times (laughs) Uh, that, you know, he was hinting on that for a long time, but that alone is a big blow, uh, you know, right. blow my mind kind of scenario, right? It's like, awesome. My God. <laughs> well, uh, the thing that goes beyond well, yeah. that is it's not just floating. He said he wants to go
1: across the South Padre Island channel to get to Boca Chica, which would be cool, by the way. I'd love to do that. But I'm like, that's uh, open ocean. The tires. The- I the don't know is it, it going to be James something? Bond I mean he I know that he loves the James Bond that old yeah. James Bond thing that was like the amphibious car yeah he bought it right so yeah. I, I mean are literally are the tires going to turn sideways and a little fan's going to uh, like a, a screw's going to come out the back and it's going to like be able to dry? I don't know I mean it's one thing to float and I'm like sure okay you just have to water seal the thing and it'll float but to actually move through the water It requires a lot of stuff that is not normally there. So, do do you think
0: that he's learned the lesson with Model X? Because obviously, Model X was over engineered. You know, they had the beautiful Falcon wings, and then they, you know, later said, Oh my gosh, that was a mistake. It was over engineered, cost too much, made more issues, but they wanted to wow, and they did. Yeah. And now, are they trying to do the same thing? but they really want to win the truck market and they want to just nail a coffin to the head for, you know, the massive truck market. So if, if I can right. just talk a little bit about that before we, I'm getting mixed up with all my things I want to talk about, but, you know, like, <laughs> so obviously <clears throat> trucks is a big giant industry, uh, market market segment. And how, how do you compete? When you now have stainless steel, so you can't you can't bend this thing, break it, you, no right. paint, so there's not going to be any paint issues. Um, let's say you don't like the shape. That almost doesn't matter. Uh, you know, this is right. going to be, I do know, somebody said it could be as fast as a Porsche. I think Jay Leno's video, he said that it's mm-hmm. going to be, oh no, he said the Tesla Semi is going to be as fast as a Porsche. Right. But, right. you know, this truck will be faster than, you know, maybe some of these supercars that are out there. Right. It's indestructible uh, and it's going to have these features, right? (laughs) Right. So what are the other features that's going to make this thing just so irresistible that you're just not going to buy a Ford one F-150 anymore? Right. Uh, Okay. So. I mean, I'm pretty
1: convinced, obviously they haven't announced the new version of the Cybertruck yet, but it's almost definitely that they're going to have a four motor version of the Cybertruck because they've talked about being able to do the, right. the, 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 whatever that crab walk or whatever. So that requires, wheels. yeah, it requires independent yeah. wheels and independent and independent drives. So I think that's, that's pretty much a given. So they'll probably have a two motor, three motor, four motor, I guess. I don't know. They used to have the single motor, but that's, that's what I have on order. So I'll have to change my order when the time comes and I'm allowed to change it. Uh, but so I think for sure that'll be there. The, um, it's interesting because like going for speed is probably, yeah, that's really cool in a truck, but also it's like, Mm. that's not really Mm. the market. (laughs) Like (laughs) You know, it's like, it's great. It's nice to be able to go fast and I would love to be able, it's the thing that's really helpful in my Model Y um, and it's it's just the long range. So it's only like, what is it? 4.8 seconds from zero to 60. But like when I'm getting onto the highway, it's really nice to not have to worry about merging. I'm like, I can always get to whatever speed I need to get to and, you know, get in. So it's very convenient. So it will be nice to have the Cybertruck, the big beastly truck, be able to get into where it needs to go as quickly as possible. I think uh, the bigger thing would be, of course, the full self-driving aspect of it, as much of the ADAS as you have. And that's going to be a, a, a little bit of a challenge because most of the other Teslas are smaller. So I, they, they've now, with introducing the Cybertruck and especially the Semi, the whole aspect of of full self-driving and, and ADAS and stuff is going to have to change because they have to, it's it's just a bigger volume. And a truck especially, it's like, well, geez, now you've got this giant trailer on the back that you're hauling around too. So, so there's some yeah. significant difference Issues that you don't have necessarily with with smaller cars. Uh, I don't know. It's so weird because he talks about how it's going to be this amazing technology demonstration, but from what I've seen of the interior, and it seems to make sense to Tesla's aesthetic, it's going to be very very plain, right? It's just going to be like your yoke steering wheel, one big monitor, maybe a little one for the for the uh, uh, speed that you're going and stuff, and probably one in the back seat now for the kids, but so the interior is not going to be that much different from any other tesla maybe a little bit more rough stuff so that you can get in when you're dirty and not mess it up but i think it's all going to be under the hood <laughs> whatever it is that they're putting in there is all going to be like stuff that's under the hood and the motors just might be these incredibly high torque motors that can pull basically anything i i what would be a great demonstration for me would be if they took the Cybertruck and they put a gooseneck on the back of it and hauled a semi-trailer fully loaded with like 80,000 or 60,000 pounds, whatever the max weight is. If they could take that and pull a full semi-trailer behind it and go like, yeah, you can carry that if you want to. That kind of a demonstration would be pretty outrageous. Yeah. Uh, You
0: know, I think the... What what if they came out with something that's extensible and accessories uh, they can add <clears> on? <throat> like there, there's another company, Cyberlander, that's creating that uh, camper right. they can put on the back. but awesome company. Obviously, <laughs> they can have a whole new third third parties ecosystem. But what if they right. came out <laughs> with a few things that says, oh, if you want, you know, it's modular, right? So if you want this right. thing to have, like, you know i don't know i can just i don't know what it is but you know they could just add this on and all of a sudden it could do this you know
1: (laughs) right Mm -hmm.
0: uh for
1: sure they um i think that the the third party thing that's one of the biggest deals about the f-150 and uh, actually you know talking to some people who want to manufacture parts for third-party parts for tesla they're like it would be really nice if they would give us the bed dimensions because they're like, you know, we'd like to be able yeah. to roll this out when the the Cybertruck rolls out. So, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Cyberlander and others that it would be very convenient. And I think that it would behoove Tesla to, to work in that space because that's one of the major differentiators. That's why people buy F-150s aside from brand loyalty is like, I can retrofit this with anything. There's stuff all yeah. over the place. So... I mean, a, a toolbox that Tesla had would probably be a useful thing. I would love to have a tent, just some sort of little pop up thing mm-hmm. that right that you kind of buttoned up on the outside because it's a really big bed. So you just like pop that out, put the seats down and, and have the climate control inside and have like a little mini tent that you could stay in overnight if you wanted to. Um, that would be a useful thing for me to have. Um, I don't know. But yeah, but third party stuff, like just aftermarket things. And having that ecosystem starting as fast as possible would be hugely beneficial.
0: I love it. Okay. Well, we covered a lot of things today. Really appreciate this, John. (laughs) I know that we just met yesterday. So I really appreciate you coming on board. Um. Thank you, everybody. And I appreciate this. Hopefully you got a bit brighter, like we said. Please follow right. John on YouTube as Dr. Know-It-All. I love that, There John. you go. He's also at Twitter at Dr. Know-It-All 16. Now, why do you have the 16 right. there, John? What's that? I, I tried typing in Dr. Know-It-All and it just made it 16. I don't know what.
1: Twitter's infinite wisdom uh-huh. decided that I had to be. I was like, I can't find any other Dr. Know-It-All 15 or 12 or anything like that. So I don't know where it came from. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Well,
1: cool. then, you don't. Know it all then.
0: Okay. I don't. Well, I don't. You know, it
1: was supposed to be a tongue in cheek name anyway, but people take it very seriously. So. <laughs> oh, I
0: know. You're funny. Okay. Well, hopefully you did get brighter. If you did, let me know in the comments what what did you hear today that you loved the most? And which of these five major competitive differentiators that we talked about today, right? Automatic collision avoidance, FSD, Tesla bot, semi, and Cybertruck, which one of these are going to be incredibly important for the business and the stock? Let me know. Thanks, everybody.